Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. When we think of Rahab, we think of a wicked, vile sinner who just happened to be at the right place at the right time. But when God thinks of Rahab, he sees a sinner saved by grace and he used her to accomplish his purpose. And God did some extraordinary things through his servant Rahab, didn't he? And throughout the Bible, the writers of Scripture also speak of Rahab in high regard. They speak of her as a woman of faith, one who forsook her former way of life, forsook her culture that she had been uh, raised in, and And she did something that was unusual for a Canaanite to do. She gave her allegiance to Israel. And so today we continue the story of God's promise of deliverance. Rahab's faith. The highlight of of this whole chapter, chapter 2, is on Rahab's faith. Not on her sin. It's not on what the spies were doing. God, or Joshua, uh, is writing on behalf of God that Rahab was a woman of faith. And so we should learn from that. Last week we saw that living by faith may include opposition, verses 1 through 14. This week we will see that living by faith may include opposition, but it always results in God's favor. Let's begin reading in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, Go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers in all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road but had not found them. And then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun. And they related to him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. Today we're going to see that the result of Rahab's faith was deliverance. She was delivered. And we'll see also that she delivers more than just herself. She also delivers delivers the spies. She delivers her family. She delivers all of Israel. And we will uh, see one other... um, thing that she does deliver later on. 
But before we get to the result, let's look at the context of this story, beginning in verse 12. It says there, Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, and you also deal kindly with my father's household, and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So on the heels of Rahab's confession of faith, she said, I know that your Lord is the God of all the earth, and I believe that he can deliver me. And so as a result, I am going to put my faith in your God. And the way in which she showed that faith was by asking this for this request. She asked for mercy. She appealed to these men to make a covenant on behalf of God so that she could be saved. And uh, this is, is another subtle evidence. We saw several evidences of her faith in, in last week when we looked at verses 1 through 14. But this is another evidence of her faith. That she was willing to take the word of these men and then swear her allegiance to their God. And so we see the content of her request. You know, she could have asked for anything. We would expect her to ask for some sort of escape route so that she could get out of there and maybe just protect herself. Why don't you allow me to come with you? Would you take me with you to Israel so that I can live with you and be safe? since I know that your God will save me. But instead, she didn't ask for an escape route. She asked for herself and her whole family to be delivered. And so she didn't leave with the spies. Rather, she showed that she, she was someone who had been changed by God, and she didn't just want to protect herself. She wanted to protect her whole family. It's, it's an evidence of her love for others. She wasn't just concerned about herself. And so their response to, the, to her request is found in verse 14. So the men said to her, Our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours. So they would promise deliverance for her and her family. They say, Hey, we'll, we'll do what you ask of us. But they did give her some requirements. And we find those in verses 17 through 20. Notice in verse 17, it says, We shall be free from this oath to which you have made us swear, unless when we come you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window. So the first requirement of her was that she had to tie this scarlet cord in the window. This way, when, when these two spies were to go back to Israel, they could tell all of these men, these fighting men of Israel, do not touch this house. Do not go into that house. Do not burn it. Do not do anything with anybody who is inside this house with the scarlet cord on it. So that was her first requirement. The second one was found in the second half of verse 18. And they, said, they say, We shall be free from this oath if, unless you gather to yourself into the house your father, your mothers, and your brothers, and all your father's households, ha household. And it shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. So they say, we will make this covenant with you, but, in a sense, we have an out. We do not have to follow this covenant if you do not tie the scarlet cord in the window, or if someone from your house goes out into the street. Then it's fair game. And so those were two of the requirements. And then the last one was, 
found in verse 20. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. So the two spies say, we will make this agreement with you. But here's the third requirement. You cannot squeal. Do not say anything about us and about our attack that, that is imminent. And so these were the three things that, that Rahab was required to do in order for her and her family to be delivered. You see, Rahab had to demonstrate the genuineness of her faith under pressure. And she had to do it for an indefinite period of time. It was something for Rahab to take in these spies and to protect them. That was something because she was endangering her own life. But now she had to continue that. She didn't know when Israel was going to come back, did she? And so she had to keep that secret. She had to keep that scarlet cord in the window. And she also had to convince her family that the attack was imminent. And so they had to do the same. They had to make sure that they stayed in the house once the, the attack began. So she would be linking her destiny, her future now, to Israel and to their destiny. And so, it, again, it proves her confidence, not in Israel, not in these two spies, but it proves that she had confidence in the Lord God, in the Lord God of Israel, same God we serve. You know, I think this is a good um, illustration of, of how our faith should look as well. Our faith is not something that we just talk about. It's not just something that we can sit down and share with somebody if they ask us questions. Our faith is something that must be acted upon. Rahab was not saved by her faith. She was not saved because she did these things. Rather, we understand from Scripture that she was saved because of her faith. And her faith was a result of what God had done in her. He had saved her. And I think we can learn also that God is merciful to all who call upon him. But his requirement is that you have to give up your allegiance. That's the repentance part of salvation. We say when you come to faith in Christ, you have to repent and believe. And the repentance is that you have to give up your allegiance to the world and to sin and turn to God in faith, believing what he has said, what he has done, and following him in that way. And so we see Rahab's faith displayed in, in her actions. But we also see her faith displayed in her um, facilitation of the spies' escape. Look at verse 15. And then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, Go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourself there for three days until the pursuers return. And then afterward, you may go on your way. So she gave them a way to escape. And notice she did not tell them, hey, why don't you just, you know, God's in control, so why don't you just go right out the front door and start walking down the street and then go out. It's a little faster that way. Don't bother hiding in the hills. And I think the point is that God uses common sense or ordinary human means to providentially work through his his people in, in this case it meant the spies being hidden i mean it would have been foolish for her to say why don't you just walk out there god will protect you because there is a difference between 
trusting in God and presuming upon God. And Jesus was tested in this way in Matthew chapter 4. Do you remember Satan took him to the pinnacle of this, the highest temple there in Jerusalem? And based on where Jerusalem was, it's set on a hill, and they had the Kidron Valley below it. So he was probably 180 feet up in the air. Satan says to Jesus, why don't you throw yourself off? Because, and then he quotes an Old Testament scripture, God will, will take care of you. He will give his angels charge over you. So he uses scripture to try to tempt Jesus to do something against God's desire. Now, we don't know if God would have caught Jesus had he jumped, but Jesus' point back to him was, no, I will not do that. Because, and he quotes a scripture back to Satan, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the Israelites should have known uh, throughout their history the difference between testing and trusting this idea of presuming testing God presuming upon God's grace and trusting God believing what he says will come to pass they often got themselves uh, into these situations where they were testing God remember when they finished coming across the Red Sea they got to the other side God had just done this incredible miracle on their behalf and three days later they're complaining because they don't have enough water to drink. They had forgotten the God that they serve. They have forgotten who they were serving, and, and they, they were presuming upon God's grace. God, you have to give this to us. Why couldn't we have just died in Egypt, they, they said to Moses. And so God... Uh, requires that we do not presume upon his grace. And it's very difficult to determine the difference, isn't it? It's difficult to determine when we are being foolish by presuming upon God's grace and when we are trusting God. And I think the main way to make the difference is by, is by uh, figuring out the right way from the scriptures. Jesus said, you cannot put the, Lord's, the Lord to the test. You should not do that. You see, for Jesus, it was not God's purpose for him to, to, uh, to show up Satan at that time. God's purpose for Jesus at that time, when he's standing on the top of this temple, was for him to, to, uh, to be upheld through this temptation and to overcome the temptation. That was God's purpose for him. So the, wrong que the, the question that we often ask is what would happen... If, if Jesus would have jumped, but the, probably the best question that we should ask is, what was God's desire? Because previously to that, remember what Satan was tempting him about in Matthew chapter 4. He was tempting him to have some food. He said, why don't you take this stone and turn it to bread? And Jesus had been in the, the uh, wilderness there for 40 days. So it was something that he needed for his life. So it wasn't a bad thing. It was something that was good. Satan used that to tempt him. But what did Jesus say? My, he said that uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, his source of life was not in his food alone. It was in God's word. And so he desired to follow God's will. He wanted to do what God desired for him rather than what Satan wanted to prove. And so trusting God does not 
mean that we presume upon God's grace. We are quick to do this because we feel like we are secure in God. And sometimes we feel we're so secure in God that we can pretty much do anything. But I think we would all admit that, that uh, although God could save us if we did something foolish, he has not promised to. Let's say that we wanted to jump from a bridge. Could God save us some way? Certainly he could. But would it be wise for us to do so? The same thing is true about the, with the, the way we, we handle our finances. A lot of times we see the people around us and we see, well, they're enjoying all these things. Why can't I? And so what we do is we go ahead and just buy it, even though we don't have the money to. And I think that's another example of how we can presume upon God's grace. Because we never do know how the, the outcome uh, will be. And so we have to be careful with, with how we... Uh, we conduct our lives and um, I think God uses ordinary me human means or common sense when it comes to providing for his people don't expect God to, to give, give you some extraordinary way of, of taking care of yourself don't expect that hey if I use up all of my income on X something that I want to enjoy that God's all of a sudden going to prepare going to take care of my family. God told you that that money was supposed to be used to take care of your family. You should not be spending it on whatever pleasure that, that, that there is. So it, it takes common sense to, uh, to depend on God and faith. And when we do, I think God does provide for us. God has promised to provide for us, and um, sometimes he does it despite our foolishness. So the next thing I want to look at is the result of Rahab's faith. Because we've seen and looked at Rahab's faith and how it is evidenced. But I want to see the result of Rahab's faith. And there's four main things that we want to look at. The first one is found in verse 21. After they had told her these things, verse 21 says, She said, According to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed. And then notice, She tied the scarlet cord in the window. How long did it take her before she was given that instruction to act upon it? She did it right away. So, so she evidences her new faith right away by not only protecting the spies, but also acting upon it by putting the scarlet cord in the window. And it's interesting that God uses Joshua, who is a man from Israel, and he uses him uh, to give him divine guidance and success through his faith. That makes a lot of sense. Joshua is a part of God's people. But the interesting thing is that Rahab is a female from Canaan, the most wicked land around. And she finds that same divine guidance and success through faith in the Lord God. And uh, we should not be surprised by that because God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 is that he would provide, he, he, that he would give Israel blessing through his seed. But not just Israel, it says that, he, that all the nations would be blessed through Abraham. And that included 
some of Canaan. Rahab was part of, of the Canaan culture. And so Rahab is a model for, for us about what faith is about. And I want to make three points about what faith is. First, faith is a result of grace. Who needed more grace than Rahab? She lived a wicked lifestyle. She was a prostitute. She lived in a wicked culture. Who needed more grace than Rahab? And she was deserving of God's condemnation, and yet God saved her. Faith is not a result of anything that we have done. In fact, we know that from Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to what? It's according to his mercy. And the same is true for us. We are saved by grace. We are deserving of condemnation just as Rahab was. And yet God looked down up upon us in mercy, and he saved us. So faith is the result of grace. True faith is evidenced by works. It's not something that we just sit on or just talk about or think about, have the right mindset about. It's something that we have to do. Faith works. We see that in James as well. And then faith is a means by which God uses his people. Sometimes we expect God to do some extraordinary things, and sometimes he does, but God primarily uses the faith of his people, the actions of his people, to accomplish his purposes. So we should not just sit back and wait for God to do something. We need to get up and act. If God has really given us the mercy in salvation that we say we have, then we should act in faith. So Rahab had this new faith. But not only did Rahab have this new faith, that was a result of her faith. She had this new faith in God. But she also had a new husband. We find out from later in Scripture that Rahab was, was married after this wicked lifestyle that she had uh, been a part of. She was married to a man named Salmon, and he was a leader of the tribe of Judah. So she was married to an Israelite. God surely sh shined his favor upon her by allowing her to marry an Israelite. So not only did she have a new faith, but she also had a new husband. And then in Joshua chapter 6, turn with me there, Joshua chapter 6, we find another thing that Rahab received. In Joshua 6, we find the battle of Jericho taking place. And look at verse 24. It says, They burned the city with, with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So not only did she have new faith and a new husband, but she also received longevity or a long life. It says that she still lives in Israel to this day. Joshua wrote this book 40 years after these events took place. So Rahab was, was already a grown woman when, when, she, was, uh, when she lived in, in uh, Jericho. 
But she's now still living to this day, Joshua says. And so 40 years later, she is still alive. So she received a new faith, a new husband, long life, and then she received deliverance. But not only for herself, she, re- re- she received deliverance in four ways. This was the primary result of Rahab's faith, deliverance. First, we see that, that uh, the two spies were delivered. Turn back to Joshua chapter 2. In verse 15, it says that then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall so that she was living on the wall. And then look down to verse 22. They departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. And now the pursuers had sought them all along the road but had not found them. And then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and they related to him all that had happened. Now, the two spies could have easily been captured during this period of time. But God used Rahab's faith as the means by which they would be delivered. So the two spies were delivered through Rahab's faith. But not only the two spies, but also Rahab's family was delivered. Turn back to Joshua chapter 6. In verse 7, well, let's begin in verse 16. And we'll see Joshua's command to the armies of Israel. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban, and it and, it, and all that, that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. So in addition to the two spies being delivered, Rahab's whole family was delivered, including Rahab herself. But not only those two groups of people, also all of Israel was delivered as a result of her faith. Of her faith. Look, at, look back to Joshua chapter 2 and verse 24. The spies recognize that God is now going to, to deliver them, all of Israel, because of what Rahab had done. Verse 24, after they had returned uh, back to speak with Joshua, crossed back over the Jordan, verse 24 says, They said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. This was the confirmation that Joshua and the children of Israel were able to enjoy. After the spies came back, they realized the significance of what was about to happen. They realized that God was going to give them the entire land and that Israel was now going to be delivered because of Rahab's act of faith. And those are certainly important to the, to the history of Israel. But Rahab even has an impact on our history. Do you realize that? That Rahab has an impact on the line of Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 1.
two spies were reject were were delivered the family of Rahab was delivered all of Israel was delivered and the line of Jesus Christ was also delivered look at chapter 1 and verse 5 this is the lineage the genealogy of of Jesus Christ our savior it says Salmon was the father of Boaz by by Rahab Boab was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, the king. Rahab was the great-great-grandmother of the greatest king who ever lived, David. Isn't that amazing that God used Rahab in the line of Christ, in the line of the kings, and she is only one of four women who is mentioned in the genealogies of Jesus Christ. God used this wicked, sinful person to continue the line that would eventually produce Jesus Christ, the Savior of the whole world. And between Rahab and Jesus Christ was 31 generations. And it was because of her faith that God allowed Jesus Christ to to, to come into the world. So she married this man, Salmon, and their son was Boaz. And we all know the story of Boaz and Ruth. And, and uh, farther down the line we find that, that she was the great-great-grandmother of King David. So what have we learned from Rahab? There's four, five main things that I'd like to, to show you that we have learned from, from studying Rahab. First, Rahab was saved by faith alone. Rahab knew God and her faith caused her to turn away from her pagan upbringing, away from her immoral lifestyle, and away from even the culture that was around her, and turn in faith to God. That was a result of of God's grace. Rahab was saved by faith alone. We also learned that the response of Rahab's faith was action. You know, as we read the passage, we get this impression that that what she had heard about God's promise and power were, were common knowledge above, among the Canaanites. And it was. It said that all of Canaan knew that Israel's God was the God of the earth. But she's the only one that acted upon that knowledge. Rahab's faith responded with action. We also learned that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Rahab is in the line of Christ. And this is a demonstration that God receives all who repent of their sin. And he will accept all who who turn from their sin and turn to him in righteousness. There's no restriction because of your culture. She was not part of Israel. There's no restriction because of your race. Or your religious heritage, God accepts you on the basis of Jesus Christ, not on the basis of your past. And as a matter of fact, there were other immoral women in the Bible that God used as well. We know that the uh, the woman who anointed Jesus in the book of Luke was used of God, and the Samaritan woman herself had she had been married four times, and she was now living with a man who was not her husband. And yet God used her, if you remember. He saved her, and then she went back into the town. And the result of her faith 
was that many people in the town came to know Christ. So God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. God also teaches us through the life of Rahab that Rahab's past, Rahab's past does not determine her future. Her future was determined not based on what she had done before, but rather on the choices that she would now make. And so God took her and used her. And we also learned that there's no excuse for sin. No one can excuse themselves by saying, you know, I'm a product of my upbringing. Or I'm a product of my culture. You don't understand what type of lifestyle I've been raised in. Rahab was this. She was a product of all those things. And yet, she turned to God because of his grace and was used by him. And God is able to make all things new. And because she was faithful, he did have a wonderful plan for her life. Some of you have had a very difficult past. And you've had to go through some extraordinarily difficult times in your life. And that is part of living in a sin-cursed world. That we have to endure such, such pain and suffering. And yet, no matter what sort of past you had, no matter what sort of sin you were involved in, God can use you. And God will use you if you are his children, one of his children. God calls you to a life of obedience. Are you using your past or your current circumstances as an excuse for not serving him? You say, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I I don't have all the knowledge. God can still use you. And he demands you to, to work for him. And so if you have been beaten down by the, the cares of this world or by the difficulties that you have faced, keep running the race. Do not give up. Run with patience the race that is set before you, the writer of Hebrew tells us. And lay aside those sins that easily beset us. Our minds constantly go to these, these justifications for what we are doing. And, and they constantly bring up arguments against why we should be serving God. But God is calling us to run with patience and, con- and to continue the race. We cannot give up. And if you are a child of God, then you will not give up. Because God continues And he finishes what he has started in you. If he has started the work, he will finish it. And so he expects of you to get up and run the race. We also learn from Rahab's life that we have a new hope. For those of us who are struggling with guilt and broken dreams and difficulty, we see from Rahab that there is hope. Rahab. A prostitute, one who should have been rejected and killed, but God saved her, and there is hope for us as well. No matter what sin we face, no matter what lifestyle we have been involved in, God has a plan for us. Others may not forgive us, others may not accept us, they might not even tolerate us, but God is faithful. And he has a plan for those who call upon him in repentance and faith.
aren't you thankful that you serve the same God that Rahab serves? Let us be faithful like Rahab was, and let us respond with faith to the grace that we have received from God. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we stand before you and we recognize that we are unworthy servants in your sight and that apart from Jesus Christ, we deserve nothing but your wrath, nothing but your condemnation, nothing but your judgment. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, we now stand approved, We stand righteously before you, and as Paul says, there is no condemnation that we dread because we are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for Rahab and the example that she has been to us, and we pray that you'd help us to respond with these truths by following um, in faithfulness to what you have commanded us to do. Help us to lay aside the sins that that have been weighing us down and that have been keeping us from doing what you have called us to do. And help us to respond uh, with our faith by showing... Help us to respond by showing our faith through our actions. You are a great God and you are worthy of all praise and you deserve to be served with our whole hearts. And so we pray that you would help us to do that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.